I'm Miriam Koyman, and you just tuned in on another episode of Phone Talks. Today, I'll be talking with the Swiss artist Douglas Mandry. He was selected as one of the phone talents of 2020, but he was also part of Phone's traveling group show On Earth, Imaging, Technology and the Natural World, that was first presented at the Rencontre de Halle in 2019. Douglas' work is characterized by his experimental use of photographic techniques and self-invented processes, through which he always seems to question and examine the way images are constructed. Another running thread in his practice is our relation to nature, and you will be surprised by the way Douglas is able to merge his image subjects and the material outcome. Let's hear how he does it. Welcome, Douglas. Um, thanks for taking the time to... Uh to have a conversation with me. It's a real honor, Miriam, once again. Thank you for having <laughs> me. Uh, where are you currently um, residing? I am right now at home, working in the, between my home and my, <laughs> my studio in, the, in Zurich, Switzerland. And, well, I'm spending as much time as I can away from, you know, outside and away from the studio, uh, which has started now to become a bit more... Uh, uh, regular in my practice again after the after the the, the pandemic and the, the difficulties to travel. Now I start to plan ahead a few um, few escapes out of Switzerland. But at the moment, it's it's where I live and work is. Wow. Ah, okay. Well, I'm super curious to hear more about those um, escapes from from the home. So um, I hope we will uh, <laughs> be able to get into that later, if you are willing to yeah. uh, reveal anything about it already to us. But um, yeah, mm -hmm. in preparation of this conversation, I was just thinking back and um, realizing that the first work I think I saw of you was Unseen Sights. And this also led to one of our first collaborations as I ended up writing about this series for Phone Magazine's Back to the Future issue in 2018. Um, yeah. True. Before this series. 2018. Yeah, yeah. We go way back. Mm. Well, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that led to our first uh, conversation, I think, also at the, on the unseen uh, living yeah, room. Yeah, right? exactly. At the festival at the, and the, the fair. fair. Yeah, we had a conversation about what to do after graduation. Uh, right. Yeah, I was I was that close after graduation, <laughs> yeah. closer from graduation as I'm now. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. I yeah. Much this. has happened in yeah. the meantime. I also remember when we had that conversation on on what to do after art school that you were like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what, to, I didn't really know yeah, what to do. Yeah, but yet you were already <laughs> represented at Unseen um, with your work. So actually yeah. you had quite a, quite a kickstart, I think, of your career. Yes, that was a big chance, a big luck. I'm, I'm, I'm aware that not everybody gets this chance so shortly after graduation. I'm also aware and I was aware of the, the risk of such an exposure to the, the commercial and the, say the institutional world or like to, to, to receive such an audience for, through a gallery as a young artist was a bit intimidating. And, um, but in the end, it was up to me to turn it into a, something productive and not you know, sit down with fear or just um, stay with what I had done so far, but uh, really see it as an opportunity, a very big opportunity to to, to develop, uh, develop and evolve. Yeah, so uh, it's, it, has been, it has been a reason why I kept on working so hard <laughs> in, the, in the last years. So uh, I tried to take it uh, as a challenge, yeah. You have proven that you are well able to, to deal with the, the pressure, but you would say that having gallery representation does give you pressure as an artist to sort of keep producing? It should. I mean, if you think of a gallery only in terms of... Uh, selling your old work, then you might, you might not last very long because, uh, I mean, in the end, what I want to do is to work. I want to, and working with a gallery, collaborating with a gallery gave me the means, uh, financial, but also the, you know, mental support, the inputs for taking the risk and really um, being able to achieve what I had in mind. Sometimes you have projects, uh, I have projects in, in, the, in mind all the time and until you get to, to completing a project or to really you know, start and find the courage to, to, to really go into it and produce it literally. Um, this, this, yeah, this needs uh, sometimes a little bit of support and a lot of energy. So basically um, it's, uh, it's, I, I think that's how we should see uh, 
a gallery and not only in terms of uh, of course studying no it. you're very uh, right this is yeah this is of course nice but but uh, well yeah. um maybe we mm. can go back to that series you were showing back then unseen sites um as a starting point mm -hmm. um because mm -hmm. um well correct me if i'm wrong but i remember that for this series you photographed landscapes in turkey that were former archaeological mm -hmm. sites and um mm -hmm. You photographed those landscapes in black and white, but then later on you colored them by hand, right? In the same fashion as 19th century Orientalist picture postcards, actually. Um, exactly. Um, yeah, and I think yes. if, if mm -hmm. just thinking back to the series, the, I have so many questions for you, so we will just uh, go along them. But, <laughs> you know, uh, your reoccurring fascination for landscape photography, because that's, yeah, seems to um, come back in basically every, almost every series you do, uh, of, or you have done so far at least. And also your continuous experimentations with um, analog <laughs> photographic techniques. And, well, I'm also like, how did you even get to the idea of unseen sites in the first place? So... Yeah, maybe we should start with the last question. <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> no, um, for unseen sites, it was it was really this this uh, this reference. I mean, of course, landscape is a is an end effect in my work. It it always reappears, as you said. Uh, for me, I see landscape as the the tangible sign of relationship between nature and man. So because. The, the fact of landscape, the, the concept of landscape appeared quite late in history, if you think, and it was really related to the way we can paint uh, nature. So basically, uh, this, the decision of someone to choose one, one uh, frame in the nature and paint it back then uh, was then called landscape, if I make it very simple. Um, so basically, the, the, the idea of landscape is more than... The nature, but it connects for me, when you talk of photography and representation, it connects man and nature in the way how, how we interact with nature, but also how we represent it. So it's, uh, it comes with a lot of codes, a lot of cultural elements, actually. So nature is never nature per se. It's always, for me, related to cultural codes. And, um, and through photography, or it could be painting too, and in the end... Um, Unseen Sight was born of this um, this mix between uh, uh, painting representation and photography representation. So you have on one hand the, the mechanical representation, photography, and the man interpretation of nature. So basically those two are very often connected in the history of photography. And so painting and photography are often connected. And that was for me a a way to combine to say how can I actually you know use the mechanical this almost the scientific documentation which photography represents and uh, this very uh, personal interpretation of, of what I photographed which would be done by painting and so you mentioned before this uh, this postcard references uh, that's exactly it it's basically back in the days um, so a while ago, uh, we would people would paint by hand on the photographs of um, of landscape in order to 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 publish postcards of it and actually to enhance the to enhance the um, the pictural qualities of the landscape because printing was either not possible in color or just very expensive and so basically why not actually paint it uh, the way it should be or the way it could be you know there's this this whole space of uh, of interpretation in the sense that one landscape, one picture could be painted in many different ways and it would still remain the same original picture, but it would give birth to a lot of different outcomes depending on which colors were used, which had which type of intervention. And so as I was visiting Turkey, I found a lot of those and um, and I just thought, you know, in 2000, what was it, 2015 back then, 16 when I started, it's uh, of course, you know, uh, the generation of as of my generation is probably a bit more um, uh, living with consequences of digitalization of photoshopping and everything because we accepted this and we were, it's really um, part of everyday language if you think of photography uh, that was for me a way to to go against this a little bit and to say like you look you know this is 
this is how it was done or this is a way to do it like you know completely in a handmade you know completely analog uh, way and this was for me uh, you know dragging the attention on the on the on this process of enhancing pictures, photoshopping, everything, except that it was done by hand. So basically, and that's why I leave all the, I decided to leave all the rough cuts, the, the, the painting marks. And, you know, of course there's a big abstraction of the, of the pictures. And so <clears throat> I used indeed, as you said, uh, black and white pictures, uh, that I had shot on film and they, they stayed for a while in my, in my studio. Uh, hanging in black and white, so I print them in, in large format, as more, almost as large as they are in the end. And um, and after a while, I started to you know just invade those black and white pictures with colors, and uh, start to paint them, collage them, and just really rework with the material. And that was a good uh, you know leaving the computer on the side was back then a good uh, good feeling. And you know just you know you just really dialogue with the with the photograph being. An object in the end so you you spend a lot I spent a lot of time going around with it and came up with this this series which I thought was um, telling well telling enough about this this subject for me it was really a you know a direct reference to this uh, 19th century handmade postcards and in the sense of how do you use a technique like this why would you use uh, hand coloring in in 2015 in the 20th century so that's it so basically it was a little bit of i tried to go against this feeling of nostalgia you know that's because the point was not to to make real uh how do you say um, retro looking uh painted photographs but uh or you see often with you know like second or first or second world war footage video footage which has been you know hand painted and uh, it's, it has a really awkward feel to it in the sense that you really realize if you have a little bit of this, of um, if you've seen it enough, you just realize quickly where the footage has been really painted and colored and where it was really originally shot in colors, you know. So you have this, this kind of slight uh, glitch between colors that, that makes it interesting for me to, to realize because in the end, uh, I think it's... it's it was important for me, and it is still to to question how much time we spend looking at an actually looking at a picture, or how, how we accept you know reality as being uh, rented. So, so is that is that really basically. something you hope to achieve with your work? That um, people, when they look at your pictures, that they wonder about how it's constructed, because in in the sense that there's always. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, your your works really arouse curiosity because a lot is happening in the in in your photographs with in terms of how you use collage and and well in in this case uh, the um, painting and other kinds of ways of how you are influencing the photographic material as in really the physical print um, that really well, yeah almost demands the viewer to look twice. Is that like, is that, um, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Is that, is that sort of the purpose of your image making, you would say to make people to demand a closer look? I think, I think you said that the, my work brings curiosity. I think it's, it's great, but it also comes from actually my own curiosity. Hmm. So I'm trying to share, I'm a very curious person and I try to, well, it's almost all we will talk about, um, uh, other project afters, but um, often projects with my work, they start with a sort of scientific curiosity, I would call it, um, where like a specific element or specific event uh, happen, which is related to, man, say, globally man mm -hmm. nature or, you know, Anthropocene era. And that's, um, that those are really contemporary issues for me, like, which, 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 actually concern me so I think it all starts from there you know nature and the landscape and so basically those are how do you say inputs that 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 infuse and then come out in my work so basically if if there is a, I'm happy if there are people are wondering about the, the about my picture if they have to look twice like you said um, this is more like a consequence than actually a goal but it's a nice one because uh, because in the end it shows like there's a lot of layers which I try to 
include in my um, in my work. There are layers. I talk of uh, aesthetic terms. I start of um, um, informations somehow because there's also historical references. I try to I try to see my work as a kind of puzzle where I can, you know, depending on the topic or the the subject of my of the series, I try to 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 include as many layers as I can, which are related somehow, or sometimes not related. That's also interesting. But basically, every project is a crystallization of a few questions I have about you know things. And in the end, if I can share these questions and make people think and reflect on those, it's perfect because photography or art in general is a mean for me to for communication. So yeah. of course, it should not become didactic, but it's uh, you know raising questions is sometimes more interesting than. <laughs> No, exactly. Um, But I am then curious with Unseen Sites, what were the initial questions that made you create the work? I mean, you already did reveal something about it, but for example, why why did you choose to photograph landscapes specifically in Turkey? Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, I mean, I happened to be in Turkey back then and... Of course, I got to travel around and I explore really the place. And uh, these postcards, these hand-colored postcards, were more like much more popular in the uh, in Middle East, in Eastern countries a bit, in India as well. But um, so there were a sort of trend, and that comes also from a certain ge- ge- geographic mm-hmm. uh, situation. I mean, you don't you don't find the same uh, in in all the countries in other countries. So in the end, it's. Um, it's that's how it started. I happened to be in Turkey. I, sh- I photographed, um, you know, out of curiosity. I was in visiting archaeological sites, and by reading, I read also a lot of um, reviews of um, archaeologists back then who were actually excavating things in those uh, in this area, which is a known area in, in Turkey. And um, so, basically, their scientific reports were also tainted by some kind of, you know poetry in a way and that's that's where they would describe the you know the landscape so hot as it will become red and the, the red qualities of the stones the geological you know layers which you could see in, in some places in the mountains and uh, so basically all this moment where poetry or interpretation comes over scientific uh, uh, vision is for me very interesting because they're ex- of course connected you know and, mm-hmm. uh, and so I was reading a lot of things, was visiting the place, and it, it took a bit time before I could really figure out what to do with this uh, footage I've done. But I knew, you know, I just shoot all the time when I travel, and in the end, some things just make sense, and some just stay for later <laughs> or <laughs> or have to wait a little bit, yeah. The colors you're using in your um, in those photographs um, with which you colored the, the landscape, they are not necessarily... Um, natural you don't try to make it look as as if it's all if it as if it could be a color photograph your your use of of color is quite fantastical in a sense that they become almost a bit like fantasy landscapes even though there's actual mm-hmm. reference to to real places like um yeah these archaeological sites so um what what made you decide on the colors basically um I think before I talk about the colors, I should speak about the, the abstraction qualities of the of this work because it, it this work followed my diploma work more or less, which I had done back then in Ecal, and was also based on landscape and interpretations. But this time, I really wanted to break through, um, like go one step further in abstraction in terms of uh, how I represent landscape. So basically, the use of unnatural colors or uh, extremely, you know, powerful or graphic uh, elements. Basically, this this abstraction. If you think like um, like um, some painters wrote about um, about the way they see landscape. For example, Felix Vallotton, a Swiss uh, a Swiss painter, uh, a landscape painter mostly, also still life, but he, he just really described the, the the way he was doing already some kind of abstractions when he was looking at the landscape. So basically, the shapes start to you know, become more simple. And so you see a dune, you see, a, you know, the sun becomes a circle and this kind of, the way you really interpret landscape and simplify it, um, it was like really something I wanted to express, needed to express to really break through uh, um, figuration in a way, like really go a little bit deeper in this, uh, 
in this understanding of, of landscape, of image composition. And so basically the color, as soon as I decided to, to overpaint my, my black and white prints, I of course went for some very expressive colors. And, and, uh, and it's the same in the, the, this uh, articles or reviews, scientific reviews I was mentioning before. It's uh, this moment where emotions start to come, you know, in the, in, the, in the way you understand nature, in the way you feel a landscape or you experience it. So you obviously very often refer to pictural references or, you know, this sunset is so, you know, I don't know, expressionist hmm. or, or romantic, or, you know, so you obviously refer to this to painting all the time. And so I, um, I wanted to really like go into a, a deeper abstraction in the, in the landscape. And that came with the use of sh uh, shapes and cuts, but also of, um, of mm. colors, yeah. So basically the colors are not defined from a very, they don't really have the purpose of expressing something from my part, but more to provoke, provocate a reaction from, from the viewer, you know, in the terms of how they, how they clash together, how they go along in harmony together or this kind of thing. So basically it's uh, yeah. yeah it's yeah it, it is really interesting how every time with your work at first sight it it's really aesthetically already very appealing and then you the deeper you look and the more you find out about it there um, as you said before there are so many layers to discover and it, it actually way more than a pretty landscape as um you know in a tradition of <laughs> um of of art history but actually, um, yeah, your works are critical examinations and, uh, the way you manage to, to, um, um, combine them, the, the aesthetics and the, and the actual, um, yeah. And the concept is, is really great. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Maria. That's a bunch of compliments. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, yeah. um, uh, um, I think yeah, in Film Talent we are showing monuments. Um, yes, uh, a series <laughs> on the on the melting glaciers in in Switzerland and um, yeah, basically vanishing mm -hmm. landscapes. Um, yes, maybe we can um, talk about this series also because you know um, another topic in that's uh, always reoccurring in your work that we haven't touched upon yet is is that you're going back to old photographic techniques. And I think for monuments, you used uh, the technique of um, lithography. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you manage to enable yourself to use these um, techniques? Because they're not always readily available anymore. And, and I also mm -hmm. suppose not that, uh, <laughs> that uh, I don't know if you actually have been taught in art school how to use them, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you can't cover everything. In, I mean, I think it comes from your own, from my own curiosity in the end. And it's not like I started the project. Basically, the, the project's end, like the end form of the project, the technique or these kind of things, this is not really what concerns me at the first place. This usually comes at the end, um, pushed by the concept in the end. Because if you, if you think of monuments, the first, very first step was to realize and um, get to this this um, fabric this textile which is used in switzerland so for the record switzerland um, uses since i think 2009 in several glaciers not all of them uh, a protective geotextile so it's a form of textile which is also based on plastic um, plastic material but also fabric which is used for uh, to cover uh, glaciers during the the summertime and hopefully protect them from the heat uh, a little bit more and um, and the, the, this textile is then taken down every i think it's about now like oh. end of september beginning of the the fall uh well then temperatures cool down again and and it's not it's no longer needed until next uh, season uh, next summer and basically this is a known fact in switzerland it's also pretty it's been criticized at the beginning it still is and the, the efficiency of the of the whole process is questionable. But <clears throat> what what dragged me was really this this critical uh, critical aspect or controversial aspect of 
of this 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 textile which covers really like thousands of kilometers in Switzerland. It's like really basically creating a new landscape per se. And so it's known in Switzerland, but not everywhere. I mean, most people actually in the Netherlands or in Europe already mm -hmm. don't know about it. And, no, I also um, didn't know about it before so they, uh, I saw you. Yeah, work. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 been a nice surprise afterwards to actually connect people with with this topic because it's uh, it's it's actually uh, one of the most say concrete or tangible um, way to actually influence the, the climate, the global change um, issue with the ice. So basically, so far, is the best solution we have. If you think of, of course, not using the car, yeah. can, I mean, all, all sort of, you know, the, 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 the energy burning and everything. Of course, we should reduce this, and that's the best way we could have done it. But now the, 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 the concrete reaction to it, and it's also a very superficial one, is to cover this glacier during the summer so we can enjoy them a little bit more. But normally and, you um, would cover something with a blanket to warm it up. So how is this new textile actually <laughs> working? Well, it actually no, it actually works the same way, but just reverse. So it just the, the heat bounces on the on the component of this textile and basically doesn't go through as much as it would. Because uh, actually I've been on the on the Rhone glacier for for another project lately. And it was a month ago, so summertime. It was really hot, so it's really hot. And this one was not covered, not uh, completely. But um, so basically, it's 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 getting hot in the mountains too. So it's there's always snow all year, but but it's you know always less. And those uh, those blankets they do help, you know, temporarily. But it's for me, it was a very um, that's how I got approached the, the the topic with a critical eye. It's like that it is for me a. Uh, symbolic a little bit of the way we handle this issue you know to find a solution which work for now for this generation maybe and the rest we will i mean they will see later so you know it's a little bit the the the, the things i try to bring in my work and it's like basically a critic yeah a critical romantic eye so in the end it's we try to preserve nature but you know the the, the issues are of course a bit deeper so, so that was the beginning yeah of the because project. you you actually didn't photograph these um, glaciers yourself, but you, um, mm -hmm. well, maybe you can tell us, what did you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I stopped photographing for a while. <laughs> um, I left my camera in the studio. No, I, I didn't know. I collected this glacier um, fabric from a company who, uh, from a resort actually, who can afford to have it because not all of them can. And they throw it away after the um, season because it's not efficient anymore. So they have to renew it every year, which is also, uh, uh, you know, strange. <laughs> but um, but in the end, they um, I could get in touch with them and manage to get a few hundred square meters of this uh, of this fabric. I was and, wondering and about this it was before. Very strange for I them. was wondering if you actually went up <laughs> on those glaciers and if you had been stealing the geotextile. <laughs> No, I well, finally know. Hard to steal because the thing is like literally 50 or 100 kilos. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> but uh, I almost, almost, I, I didn't steal it. and But um, but I had to definitely go up and take it myself. So basically they left a little bit aside because at the beginning the, the team, the Glacier team didn't understand really what I wanted. You know, why do you want to use this? And I didn't know because I didn't know. I just wanted to, ha you know, have it and appropriate myself this 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 material and start to see what's possible to do. But I wanted this to be part of the project without having any mm. further idea. And um, so I tried to explain this to, to them and somehow they've been kind enough to provide me with with a piece which was really like the most broken and the most uh, used, which was for me mm. was fantastic. Because on this uh, on this fabric, you see all the, well, if you put aside all the insects and the animals, oh, yeah. you, just, <laughs> you get to, uh, you get to, uh, like traces of rust of uh, from the machines that that they use sometimes things just stay on top of the of the, the textile for like mm. three four months and um, and uh, you know it's, it's been soaked by the the environment yeah. basically it's 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 really a, almost a photograph already and um, so I love that it was really so close to the ice and then I just took it down and um, in my studio and. And their problem started <laughs> because <laughs> because I had to figure out what to do with it. And at the same time, I was collecting this old. Uh, I was really how do you say being 
a little bit obsessed with this theme of, of glaciers. That was before, actually, that was, yeah, 2018, beginning of 2018. Uh, I was, like, really a bit obsessing with this idea and this disappearing landscape. So I was collecting this, uh, this uh, found postcards or photographs or archives, actually, which were from 1910 till 1935, maybe. And that was really the, the golden age of, of, um, of tourism in Switzerland. So Alpine tourism really started there. And again, this is something we find uh, also with, with Unseen Sites, is this relationship to how do you promote landscape, or how do you make it a commercial value or commercial asset for a certain area, you know. And <clears throat> they used to hire back then, you know, well-known photographers. They used to send them on the mountain with a few wealthy client, uh, people uh, to, to photograph them. Or even people who were, like photographers, were assisting alpinists to, or militaries to actually um, uh, go on excursions on the mountains. But these pictures were used for promoting the area, so to, to drag tourism to come to the mountains. And that was around the 20s. So basically it was also a big economy um, boom. I mean, people had money and they could, they could come because back then it was something actually to, to go up there, you know. And... Um, and so, yeah, the, the, this is a period of time which really interests me because of the, you know, political, economical uh, situation, but also, like, of course, the, the relationship with, uh, with nature back then. So in the end, those pictures really stayed uh, on, my, on my desk and I realized, okay, that could be an interesting, you know, superposition in the end to, to you know, somehow. I didn't know how yet, but just to combine this, this old vintage like old photographs from a very, say, happy times or ex uh, flourishing times, you know, and enthusiastic as well. And now you have this, you know, 100 years after you have this, this fabric, which is there covering this beautiful landscape and trying to make it not mm -hmm. disappear. So I thought it was an interesting, you know, like, like this, I could see a critical vision that that could work. But how would this come together? That was the big question for me. And well, lithography happened to be my last... Um, my last try and my first successful try in printing, <laughs> printing those uh, those photographs on the on the glacier on the on the on the sorry on the on the textile. So basically, lithography happens. So, for mm -hmm. the record, lithography is um, having a negative plate, uh, of, uh, stone or metal engraved, and you know, fill it with tin with uh, with ink, and then really with a with a big roll, a big press, press it on whatever material, uh, paper or geotextile, and press it really strong, so strong that it will really press on the paper. And, um, and that's what I decided to try. So I, I, yes, it's, uh, it's a process. I, I collaborated with, um, with a very well-known um, lithograph here, uh, Tommy Wolfensberger, who, um, who was actually the only crazy enough person to say hey let's try this yeah <laughs> but uh, so i brought up some some cut pieces of uh, of this textile which were like still dusty and everything and and we just you know did some tries to to really press these pictures on this uh, this textile and first it was not successful at all it's the moment where you know you you struggle a little bit with the process with like is it the right thing is it the right idea but in the end, I always try to, to, you know, it's a part of innovation also in, in the field that to, to, or the need to, to try something new or say like this, if I do something and it doesn't work, that means I'm, I'm on the right way. You know? <laughs> so basically, yeah. uh, I, I try to see it like this. I'm very optimistic always. And, uh, we pushed a bit the, the technique and the, 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 the material. And, and in the end, we came up with, uh, with the, this three, there were three, uh, three convincing prints on the, on this gla on this uh, glacier fabric so that's how I came up to to the first step of the project yeah and that was quite a hustle but it was actually great <laughs> to actually have material and this was shifting a little bit away from from always more and more shifting away from photography but still very connected to it you know what yeah, I mean yeah because i mean on the one hand i mean you you used found photographs and um you made a way of 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 well transferring the image onto the textile even though um it sounds like lithography would be 
well, strictly speaking, it's not a photographic technique. I suppose. And mm -hmm. the printing yeah, technique, no, it's, yeah. Angry, it's yeah. a printing technique. But yeah. um, mm -hmm. exactly. it's... Um, Well, it's it's so it's a photographic in 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 other manner in an, in another way, but mm -hmm. um, do you? Yeah, I I can imagine that that often you're really seeking collaboration then to to manage to make the the works you have in mind, or um, mm -hmm. yeah, how do you find like how for example how did you came up to try lithography for monuments? Basically, yeah, but I mean, in one hand, it's um, it's a good technique because it's referring also to to old, you know, alpine engravements or illustrations from before photography. So in the end, it was like conceptually quite connected already. But in the end, it's true. It was a very, um, I admit, it was a very, say, technical reason in the end because silk screen would not work. Try to put it in a plotter and and see what happens. So basically, the The, the options were not many left. I had to turn to this um, pressing technique, yeah. So, um, so in the end, yes. And I mean, in the end, also, whether I print a C print or an inkjet print, I immediately have to refer to a printer, you know. So, in the end, whether it's a photographic, classic photographic printer or a lithograph or, or silk screen. Uh, professional then there won't be any difference for me because they always whatever i mean unless you do your own prints which happens sometimes of course and it's super nice you always rely on someone as well so in the end uh, for me it was new it was definitely new i learned a lot of things in the way. <laughs> well what also seems to be new about monuments is that it we haven't discussed the second part of of this project yet i guess and uh <laughs> there's a lot yeah, to discuss and today. also in this part of the project um you also managed to avoid the use of the camera actually right mm -hmm. so can you tell us mm -hmm. what you did it's nothing against <laughs> it you know i like it but <laughs> it's uh it's uh yeah i don't know just just it's like for me the, the recording was What I'm dealing with is a, is a topic, glaciers, which has been made, which has been done and explored a million times. So that was also the reason. There are beautiful pictures of uh, many photographers who took pictures of this covered landscape with this textile. And it's fascinating. It's beautiful. But I just didn't see myself doing this once more and, and pretend this is a new project. You know what I mean? So I, I was like, you cannot ignore what has been done. No? And With Glacier, the, the problem with the representation is very, it's been, it's been very strongly photographed and very, you know, you've seen so many pictures of them. Also now with Instagram, people visiting glaciers because they're disappearing. So they take selfies there and you just see them, you know, it becomes really generic. And um, so I really wanted to explore this, take, or take the, the melting situation in a more metaphorical way, you know, and that for me was also a first step towards this deciding to use abstraction because, um, because in the end ideas of time, of disappearance, they are, they're not only photographic, they are very photographic, but they also, they are, there are probably other means to, to talk about this. That's what I was looking for. And so the photograms, of course, they were able to provide me with, Um, like this, say I was able to to convey elements like the lights and the ice and time, basically. So those are the three main and essential elements of the, the glacier melting, if you want. So all the, the matter of representation, um, documentation, this is something else. This is just somehow I found I thought it was a bit superficial back then to to not superficial, but I just thought. I wanted to really focus on these three elements and how can I just deal with those and nothing else. So it was a process of really purifying or simplifying the concept to the point where I really get to the most essential way of capturing this. And how could I, well, photographs, uh, photograms, then how could I do it without being on, lo on location? So after uh, playing a lot with printing and, uh, and archive finding, this was for me like a Uh, sort of escape to 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 say okay now it's you know now I want to go so I want to confront myself and and be even if I I will be the only one uh, experiencing this physically I can you know the, the the abstraction will somehow tell it further you know in the photographs or in the in the end result so I decided to you know build up this uh, 
So yeah, of course, on location on Glacier, the most difficult places <laughs> to access with a dark room. <laughs> so uh, hello, problems. And so I just decided to 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 move my studio, my my develop my dark room into the into a mobile uh, studio, <laughs> if you want. So a mobile dark room. So it's uh, basically a van which has been uh, completely darkened up, and in which I built this. Uh, this portable uh, large format camera, uh, which is very, very elementary. It's just basically a, a black box with, uh, with holes in it, which I can close. And, and whenever I want, can put paper inside, photosensitive paper inside and open the holes and the light will come and make an exposure. So basically I could transport this, this uh, box anywhere. And that was my starting point uh, for going a lot of times in different glaciers. And yeah, so basically, instead of bringing the ice towards my studio, which is what I tried first, uh, was quite you know complicated. And in the end, I just felt like they, I wanted these prints, these photographs, to really infuse the the place, you know, the location, the the nature itself. So they have been literally there, confronted with the ice. So I put the ice on top of this um, photosensitive paper in this box, this black box camera, or you can call it a camera. And, um, and basically the, the ice just melts on top of the paper whilst the light is, you know, coming from the little holes of the camera. And basically, and when it's done, or sometimes, sometimes the ice doesn't disappear completely, but after, I don't know, exposure times going from five till 15 or 20 minutes, I, uh, I stopped the process. I, you know, and then I have to do this all in the dark, of course, in this uh, dark room van. So basically, it's a very, uh, it's a very pleasant, but also very physical experience, <laughs> as you can imagine. Because the first tries I did, I, I, I went sometimes two days, uh, slept on location, and you know, uh, being just alone in the in the wild, which is fantastic, and um, and come back after like no exposing maybe twenty sheets. And then come back in my lab because I still have to develop them in the in my in in the lab, and ended up with black prints. So no idea what happened, because I basically built this from scratch. So it was a very uh, empirical uh, experience in the sense that every time I would develop them, there would be new uh, surprises because I don't control this, uh, and I don't know anyone. Who, I mean, you can get really close to controlling things, but the cool thing is with photograms and darkroom work is like you never control fully everything so in the end that's also something something i was looking for it's a kind of uh, it's kind of part you know the chance is always a you know so important element in what what the photographer does and in the end i just you know kept on going and kept on going and in the end i finally realized you know every imagine every time there's a cloud coming then the, the settings change completely for me. You know, it's like basically I'm opening a hole. I don't know how much light will come in, how long would I need it. And so basically this is something I had to learn on the way. And so building an, my own system and then getting to know it <laughs> in order to create this, uh, this, this body of work, which is now, um, uh, well, I know now I have, I have a book full of, <laughs> of, um, of explanations, how to do what, how long, with which holes and, you know, so basically it was really creating my own uh, vocabulary around this project. So it was like learning photography from, from point zero, you know, <laughs> if you want. So, so that's kind of a nice, uh, that's come, you know, comes out of curiosity again, because I could also make things easier. <laughs> but in the end, the result, when the, when you, when the prints come out of the, of the machine and, and you realize you see the eyes, but you don't even completely quite know what happened. You're just puzzled by the result because it's so stunning. The colors, the the in the end, the analog work is still for me like the most impressive, because with just nothing, just you know, paper, ice, and and light, you get to shades of color which are completely. Because how for me, uh, how does that impressive. work with? Because indeed, all these these works you made have incredible colors, and and very mm. different ones. So how <laughs> how did you manage to to reach that effect? Well. For the photograms, yes. I mean, for the lithograph, they're all black and white. But in the end, this is also not something I'm not like thinking, hey, I, I want to start a colorful project now. So <laughs> it's really uh, it's really led by whatever material I find, but by the process itself. So it's always a very, very organic process. And so the colors are simply just 
pure sunlight, alpine sunlight. What can I say? It's, uh, it's uh, you know, depending on the, um, well, there is the light which comes directly, which has a reddish or orange color because the paper records it as a negative. So if the light is uh, cold, say, if it's a cold day, I mean, if it's a gray day, the light, the light temperature is like, this is physics, basic, basic physics, but uh, the light's color is rather cold. So, and if it's sunny instead or a sunset, which looks warm to us, then, then the color is also warmer, but on the paper it will look um, negative. So the, the warmer the light, say if you put a red light coming on the paper, it will become blue. And if you put a blue light, it will become red. So basically, that's the, it's like a negative, basically. And this is just, you know, physics and chromie. But in the end, I played a little bit with time. I started to play a little bit and influence the color of the light in order to see what kind of results could come. But there was also a lot of surprises at the beginning with the eyes refracting the light. So basically, the light comes in in a certain color. And then through the eyes, it kind of changes uh, to another spectrum. So, and that will print automatically on the, because the paper is so sensitive. So basically like a wide range of surprises to, <laughs> to deal with. And in the end, I decided to leave this up to, to the, to the weather or to the, you know, weather conditions in the end, because you don't always decide. I couldn't always decide. I, yeah, I give up a lot of control on this. So I think it's, imp it's cool because in the end I can really, as a photographer, like step back and let things happen, you know, you create a kind of environment where something can happen. It's a bit of sort of alchemy or, you know, where you just let things happen. And of course, if I'm lucky, which happens sometimes, then something super surprising happens. And most of the time, nothing happens or things which just don't, don't work. So there's a high range of failure and I can, I learned to live with it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really, for me, it was important not to decide, you know, because as we discussed before, landscape is a man deciding how nature would look like. And basically I wanted to leave the space again to, to nature to just develop and say, okay, you know, I, I do the compositions in the dark. Not, I, I don't really have an influence on the result and no expectations to the result. I just let things happen, try to control a little bit. And, and in the end, what comes out is, I, you know, either I accept it or I just leave it. But yeah, the ones you, you have seen have been accepted. So. Well, yeah, it's just a beautiful idea that you somehow found a way to enable nature to paint its own picture in that sense. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like this in the end. Yeah, I realize it now as I speak to you. <laughs> it's, it's important now, but it's, uh, yeah, it's in the end when it is a landscape because I would have taken a photo, you would have seen eyes, lights. Yeah the same thing but just this is just like mixing it in a different kind of cocktail you know <laughs> so just just or just abstracting the the result from any representation so and that's it yeah so it's basically abstract work and what is also nice that in addition to um the photographs on on the photosensitive paper part of the foam talent exhibition is that you also transferred those photograms onto glass right exactly that was at the beginning. That was the first, uh, the very first um, steps I did with this, uh, with these photograms, because it was very important to, especially if you think of the installation we have at the forum at the moment, it was um, very important that suddenly, and this is the first time that it happens as well, um, that pictures or the the works become part of the space and no longer only hanging on the wall. So basically, they are like printed on glass um, sheets so that you can actually see them from all, all around them. So you can walk around the, the prints and see them from all the side. And that was a, a goal at the beginning, which sort of faded for this project. It's coming up with other projects which are coming, but so more like three-dimensional works. But um, but uh, this, this, this definitely worked enough for me in a, in a, in a bi-dimensional way, if you want, on this classic uh, photosensitive paper. But the exhibition we have at the Forum is really important and seeing it's, it's, a, it's an important step also for me to actually deal with the space. And this is definitely something that's going to develop uh, in, a, in a very near future. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, because for me, um, mm -hmm. like the, the fact that you transferred the photographs onto glass was really um, just, yeah, 
to me, it seemed like a gesture of of bringing it, mimic, mimicking uh, the original state of of the ice, actually, of the transparency yeah. of the glass. Mm -hmm. That it's also it's like almost like um, like ice again. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah, that was the idea. And of course, the glass is fascinating because it's in that case it's referring or it's we we associate with the ice, but it's also you know. All the all the lenses, all all the photographic material is based on glass, and so basically it's a bit of uh, a technological uh, element as well, which is uh, well old, very old, very ancient, but also uh, quite extremely contemporary actually. So it's, glass is a fascinating uh, a material, and uh, I'm, I'm not done with it. But this for this project, I decided to leave it on the side because I think it was not 100% exploited. The way it could be, so it works very nicely on the way we, on the way uh, we show we show it in this uh, exhibition, but um, but it can be much more. So I'm working on uh -huh. that too. Yeah. Well, would you <laughs> would you be willing to already reveal something about how you're now working with glass? Yeah, I mean, you you see this this project monuments is a, is a multi layered project. I I aim to look and I like to look at one specific like global team or subject under different point of view you know and somehow there's a lot of um, layers of yeah there's a lot of layers to the fact of glaciers melting and two of them i've been approaching you know the idea of of um, cultural history and technology with uh, with the, the lithographs and the idea of time and really disappearance with the photograms um is is two topics, you know, and now I, I started to develop and think how I can, you know, keep on reading, keep on, uh, and now I joined actually a, a research group at the ETH in Zurich, so the, the, glass, the official glaciology uh, department for preservation, preservation of glacier in Switzerland. So because I, I, you know, at some point you, I just wanted to, yeah, deepens and basically I talked before of this uh, scientific curiosity. Now it's, it, it with monuments, it became a little bit more because I really um, wanted to be on the field with people who do that and learn through this, actually learn how how we can, you know, how we could preserve it, how the history is, because there's so much in the ice. Um, you know, the ice tells so much about our world now and the earth. If you think of, you know, pandemic time, or climate crisis, extinctions, and all these things are actually all written already in the history of the earth. So... It's uh, it's it's a lot of layers which I had to 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 learn about and um, and so basically I I've been I've been um, researching a lot and now I came up with uh, with a new um, say a new uh, chapter for this project yeah so this is what I started last month I, I went on an expedition with with the ETH and a few other um, people to actually do three uh, D scans of what happens under the ice. So basically, because you know, there's the surface of the ice and there's a lot of things that happen underneath, which we don't know about, which we can't see. And yeah, that, that was, a, that was a, an idea of mine to start working with visualization devices. Uh, still always different. I, didn't, I, I took pictures, but I don't use them for this project. <laughs> I, I really refer always to alternative sort of recording devices so i don't want to tell too much because the process is going to be long it's pro it's planned for an exhibition next summer can't say much about <laughs> it yet but, <laughs> but it's uh, it will be definitely deal with glass and volumes mm -hmm. like really volumes yeah. yeah. <laughs> three-dimensional three -dimensional it's work. really interesting mm -hmm. that you're actually um yeah joining this research group and and really diving deeper into the subject um yeah this is really how you would uh, ideally continue your artistic practice, really come bringing, well, maybe visualizing the scientific to a larger audience. Is is that kind of an objective of yours or, or is it, is there a different motivation? I think science is how we can study our time or, you know, I really want, and that's, that's what happened. That was a big uh, change with monuments in my practice is that, including this this uh, geotextile was the first step for me to really from it came from a wish to include society itself in my um, 
image production or in my work production, you know? So that's, in the end, you're really f looking at some kind of mirror when you see my work that it has some kind of poetry, it has some kind of, you know, reference, references, or it's an artwork in the end. It's not a scientific work at all. But I like to, I li I like to consider it as a kind of mirror to our own society. And that's, I think, the role of art should be, uh, especially in terms of in times of climate crisis, you know, that that we obviously refer to to what's going on. And by by doing this, by including this material was for me a first step to to really um, say, hey, this exists. This is really and always just just about the textile is a story per se. If I, sh you know, the, the, the people can really start to learn something out of it. And they also start to reflect on their own behavior, maybe like this, or just their own way to consider things. So basically, science and it, it, it came really step by step, and um, always more in my in my work. And if I look for innovation in terms of ideas, if I look for challenging the the limits of photography or limits of perception in a way, I try to I try to expand as much as I can the 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 experience of you know producing but also receiving uh, photography or say artwork in general or in the end i think photography is really a matter of perception for me so and so could be a space installation so could be a sound you know in the end there's no more limits and i think that's that was the first um, the first project in which i really like breaks broke through my own limits uh, monuments and i keep on doing this and now i really decided to with a few projects which are a little bit more ambitious to um, to really you know go go with the risk of course uh, <laughs> uh, to expand and to to challenge myself in ways that I you know I never saw myself doing before so and if I want to do this uh, if I work uh, for example this this new chapter of monuments I knew that if I wanted to do it I had to have a solid uh, knowledge of what is going on so <laughs> That's that's the best ways to in the end uh, interact. I did there are other projects which I've done and which are exhibited, and um, which don't wouldn't happen the same way if I wouldn't be uh, really working in close connection. We talked about the printer before. Uh, for me, uh, the professor at the university uh, with whom I, I usually talk is as much important as the as the printer you know, in, in the in the process of the work. So there's a lot happening before the work, actually. It's a lot of research. And yeah, I think it's just the way things had to happen for me to to include a lot, a lot of research, and scientific research too, to, to be able to to understand things and to 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 challenge, yeah, challenge the, the, the limits of photography, perception, and things like this. I just don't want to do things, as you mentioned, I don't want to do things to... Um, too naively or of course there's always a naive you know ambition or naive like impulse to to do a project because you it's always born out of curiosity but um but in the end you know it's it's just the way i feed my work and i feed my work production so it's it's yeah that's how it actually happened to be and i thought why not you know and yeah it happened to to be quite really quite interesting i am um I am curious though, um, because I, I, what I really always so very much appreciate about your work is how you bring the subject matter together with the material expression and the techniques and, and also all those layers of, of bringing history in connection with the, with contemporary issues. Um, but you always seem to go back to old photographic techniques and, and the analog rather than, for example, um yeah new technologies in, with which photography seems to be merging nowadays i mean almost the cameras of uh, is almost being replaced by the computer you could say in in terms of image creation so how do you feel about mm -hmm. that or, or why is it that you rather seem to go back to um the analog techniques rather than maybe new technologies that are at hand yeah i think it's a, probably a it's a, it's a choice you make in the end, you know, some photographers work more with, with digital techniques, which I found extremely interesting too. Um, in the end, I guess it's a matter of personality or just the way, the way you see the, the well, I'm just satisfied when, when, I mean, it's, I just work on a project until I'm satisfied with it. If that means it takes a technological or more like a more digital take, then why not? Maybe, 
but um, at the moment it's true you're right that that all of them ended actually were dealing a lot with uh, hands handwork and you know very uh, very analog and I don't know if you've seen on my website the the project which is called the waters in between and um, it's a new project which actually sculptures so it's not no photography anymore they're figurative sculptures and they will be exhibited at the Biennale für Aktuelle Fotografie in Mannheim next year, curated by Iris Seeking. And um, so this is also brand, basically very new. But this deals basically with a fair amount of very high technology, the same with the glacier I told you about before, the 3D scans. So those are, and, but in the end, it's true. I use this technology, but in the end, it always turns out to become something very materialist, material, really based on, on the physical existence. So I think it's my point to actually really insist or come up with the works which have a very strong material existence to actually point out that what we're actually going through, you know, like the digitalization, the, the, the more and more, uh, you know, it's cliche of course, but, but it's, it's actually really the, the point of, um, of discussing this, this matter of digitalization or digital era and uh, but doing it by the means of uh, of you know analog means actually or yeah. sort of giving images and physical shape again in this digital era mm -hmm. in which most of the images we are seeing on a daily basis are through our screens yeah exactly yeah and it's a very slow process most of the time if you think so uh, sometimes it takes months to come up with one image so <laughs> if you think like this it's it's not very productive but it's very important because that's how the whole uh, process goes uh, with my work at least but um, I think it's true I want to to point out to to this materiality to this physicality to to rem constantly remember us that we're actually first of all you know if the if the cloud crashes that there's just us left no? and um and I think it's you know a term. A term we talk of we talk of artificial intelligence, you know, cryptocurrencies and all, and that's that's part of the of the evolution of of the society. But but yeah, I'm part of those who probably still believe or believe still want to talk about things being physical and being just existing tangible uh, elements. So whether it's photography or objects. To me, it also yeah. seems your way of of. Meanwhile, throughout all of your works, maybe even um, to sort of always take into the in, in, uh, taking into account that history of photography as a history of um, how we have as as mankind have been, um, yeah, sort of materializing our perception into into images, mm -hmm. and through all those. All the techniques, all the um, um, yeah, photographic processes that have been there and that have been by now maybe uh, become obsolete by by the digital, but actually mm -hmm. by going back to them, mm -hmm. you you're sort of constantly rediscovering uh, and and re uh, mm -hmm. evaluating maybe the the construction of our perceptions that, as you said in the beginning of the conversation, is so tied to also how we see nature it's so fed by by culture mm -hmm. it has barely anything to do with our physical relationship with nature but more the perception of nature which has always been through a frame a frame of of the fo the photographic frame or or sort of the limits of the the canvas of paintings or films um so yeah i think it um your work is a beautiful culmination of of the history um yeah histories of technologies and um of current day society that was grappling with yeah our relationship with nature so it's really beautiful how this all every time comes together and i'm super super curious of uh, the next steps <laughs> in your um your journey because uh yeah obviously there's I mean, still a lot to that. come that's for sure <laughs> I don't know how to, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I'm exploring a lot of tracks at the moment and see some, some lead to, you know, some lead to something, some just, like I said before, they are, they're going to be for later, but, 
but it's uh, yeah. I mean, you 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 described it very good. Uh, the, the red line of my work is, of course, um, without. Of course, it's become a trend a little bit to talk of you know sustainability in the last two years. But um, but I think the yeah the the art is also a mean to 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 bring consciousness in this. You know, and you might just understand an artwork differently than you would like uh, I don't know. A, commercial campaign or like a sensibilization campaign about this topic so i believe art is just a very strong uh, mean to to bring conscious to you know something and for this of course that's that's what interests me and for this i need to talk about contemporary issues so and that actually happened to bring me to recall to a lot of like you said um, say to the origins in a way to to the origins of photography to just recall reconsider like okay all these pixels we see all day is actually at the beginning it was um, a plate of a glass plate and uh, you know a thin layer of uh, of chemical solution on it and and the light and that's it so um, in the end that's how we came up to and photography is one of the exciting medium because it's it's one of those who evolved the most uh, in the last hundred years so like to do quickly and most quickly and it's evolving exactly at the same time as we do you know so uh, of course painting evolves too and the, the way we consider painting is constantly moving sculptures too but photography and it's really a technological medium for me and the, the way it evolved over over the last decades is is incredible so I'm, I'm really i think this is something we should use to you know question our relationship to it because we under, we underestimated most of the time. I fully agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank anyway. you so much. Thank yeah. you so much for your time and for um, um, giving us a closer look to your work. Um, it's my very pleasure, Miriam. Thank you for the question, the understanding. And yes, I hope uh, we can you know, meet all soon again <laughs> to um, talk about these issues more, uh, more uh, freely. Well, I'm sure... I'm but sure you your your work will um, also your future project will bring us again a lot of food for thought that we uh, indeed I hope hopefully we can all discuss <laughs> in person. So thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, obviously yes, <laughs> for sure. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you for listening to the tenth episode of Phone Talks. If you're quick and you happen to be in Amsterdam, there's still time to visit the Foam Talent 2020 exhibition until the sixth of October, where you can see monuments on display. Otherwise. Check out his work as part of the digital exhibition of Phone Talent 2020. Keep an eye on our social media for the upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.